KMTT, Kimitsionte Tetora. You're listening to the Arab Shabbat program, Arab Shabbat Kodesh, Parshat Kitavo, Tetvav Elul. The Arab Shabbat program is Lilui Nishmat Shlomo Yosef Ben Chaim Shmuel, and I'm your host, Jonathan Snowbell. And on this note, I'd like to dedicate as well the Arab Shabbat program to my father on his Bar Mitzvah Parsha. Chazal teach us that we read Parshat Kitavo, and presumably this refers to at least Parshat Nitzavim as well, because if I'm not mistaken, Parshat Nitzavim at least is also always before Rosh Hashanah, and Parshat Nitzavim includes in it the end of the Tochacha, the Tochacha referring to that long sixth Aliyah in which the potential punishments that could befall, befall the Jewish people if they do not keep the Torah, those punishments are described in Kitava, and they continue being in, being described in lesser detail in Parshanitzavim. Parshanitzavim as well always comes before Rosh Hashanah or Parshat Vayelach. In the instance that Parshat Nitzavim and Parshiot Nitzavim and Vayelach are separated, so the Vayelach will be Shabbat Shuvah, the Shabbat between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, but Parshat Nitzavim will fall before Rosh Hashanah. These two Parshiot, which discuss this Tochacha, the retribution that God potentially lays out for. Am Yisrael in the event that they do not keep the Torah. Chazal teach us, Tachel Shana, Tichle Shana Vekilotea, Tachel Shana Ubirchotea. Let the year end with its curses, and let a new year begin with its blessings, with its brachot. Let's leave the, the curses behind with the old year, some sort of uh, house cleaning, if you were, where we're getting rid of the bad stuff before the new year starts. Let's start the new year fresh. Let's get rid of the bad stuff. And uh, a general attitude towards these klalot, these curses that are described in great gore and great detail of let's try to push it under the rug. Um, it is customary for the Ola, the Ola for that Aliyah to be the Balkora. It is customary for that Aliyah to be read a little bit more quietly, a little bit more quickly, My father told me that at his bar mitzvah, way, way back, there was no Olaf or Shishi. That was the extent. It, it, we could debate the halachic uh, acceptance, acceptability of this approach. It was certainly a, 
fits into the original halachot of Birkat Torah, in which there was only a bracha for the first aliyah and the last aliyah, not for the middle aliyot, but clearly not for what we practice today. But it just gets across that we wanted to stay stay away from the the klalot as far as possible. Let's, we won't give anybody the honor of reading it. Just whoever's there anyway will get the aliyah. We'll read it quickly, we'll read it quietly. We'll end the year. We'll put Parshat Kitavo behind us and let's look to nicer, rosier things like the stories of the Avot and Sefer Bereshit. That's how we'll start the new year. In fact... Brushing it under the rug, A, doesn't help. The Jewish people, unfortunately, over their long history, have probably probably suffered every word of the Tochacha. And not because in those days they read it loudly and slowly, and they read it after Rosh Hashanah. But more importantly than that, and this is something that perhaps needs to guide us before Shoshana specifically, but throughout our Jewish lives in general, is that to a large extent, Jewish people don't need to have kolot, and we pray, and we hope for, and we've to a certain extent, extent, in our days, achieved much of what we've been dreaming for about being a free people, about living in our country. We're not all there yet, but it's certainly not Europe just a sh- short number of decades ago. It's not the Roman period, it's not pogrom period, it's not... crusade period it's not expulsion from Spain period today and thank God, yes, we are living in much better times we have our issues, we have our issues but when when we put up our time in history we put it on in a contrast to Jewish history in general, I would have to say that we'd walk away with a golden period now with all the difficulties, with all what we're yearning for, with all the dangers that we face, looking around, I would confidently say that. And with that being said, we cannot brush the Kalot away with a little year before, we cannot say it quickly and quietly and hope for it to stay away from us, because yes, we do hope it stays away from us, but in contrast to many popular Baal Tshuva approaches today, in which Avodat Hashem is portrayed as some sort of spiritual paradise, 
have Friday night with your family. You'll find yourself. You'll be spiritually happier. Jewish life is so rewarding, etc., etc., etc. Jewish life and commitment is about being committed to the good with the bad. In this week's Parsha before the Tochacha, we read about the event that takes place one time in history where B'nai Israel stand on Hargrizim and Harival. Half stand on Hargrizim, half stand on Harival. Hargrizim is the mountain that the Leviim would face when they would read the Brachot. And Harival is the mountain that Levim would face when they would read the Klalot, the curses. And here the curses don't refer to the Tochacha, but to a set of 11 curses that are written out in the Torah, Ruh Ha'ish Asher. Cursed is the man who will transgress the following 11 issues or sins. And it's interesting to note several issues about this event that took place. Number one, though, as we said, the Levim faced both Hargrizim and Har Eval, and when they were faced Hargrizim, Chazal teaches us, they said, Baruch Ha'ish Asher Yakimet HaTorah. Blessed is the man who will fulfill the Torah. And when they faced Har Eval, they would say, Aruch Ha'ish Asher Lo Yakimet HaTorah. Cursed is the man who will not keep the Torah. However, the Torah only writes, Arur Ha'ish, Arur Ha'ish, Arur Ha'ish. Cursed is the man. And we can conclude that there's also a second, hand, a second part of this, which is Baruch Ha'ish. But the Torah chooses out of the two sides to, to formulate, it formulates the curse. Additionally, as... All major Jewish events in those times did. There was a Mizbech involved. Just like at Har Sinai, when there was Matan Torah, there was a Mizbech. There's a Mizbech also at the event of Har Grizim and Har Eval. And that Mizbech is not placed in the middle where the Levim stood, a neutral place, if you were, but it's placed on Har Eval. In recent years, there's been very interesting archaeological discoveries, archaeological discoveries that point to actually the finding of this mizbeach on Harivel. And going back to modern-day Harivel, one who sees the geographical place that we are talking about, of Hargarizim and Harivel, next to Shechem, we'll see that Harivel is indeed taller, it towers over Hargarizim. So what we're being set up for is that the stress in the Torah, whether it's in the description of Hargarizim and Harivel, the Arur's 
pardon for my pluralization of a Hebrew word with English. The set of Aruhaish, the placement of the Mizbech of Har and Harivel, the topographical advantage of Harivel, the fact that while the Torah has subsequently many psukim of bracha, it has many, many, many more psukim of klala. Lead us to a necessary understanding that while Judaism may contain many nice and rewarding features, Judaism is, as any intense relationship must be, about commitment to the good with the bad. It is not enough for us to come and say we commit ourselves to God in richness, in health, but in poverty, in good health, and even not in good health. This is what commitment is about. Our Jewish lives are demanding. There are many demands in our Jewish lives. I won't go into detail now. And our commitment to God, and this is something that we, this might be something very important to think about before Yamim Noraim, and this is an additional reason, and perhaps a more powerful reason, that Parshat Kitavo comes before Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, because we have to understand the nature of our relationship with God. Our nature of relationship with God is not, as those movements would have us to believe, something very just rewarding and just nice and just rose-colored, but it's a commitment like other commitments. And commitments like other commitments mean that we do them despite the difficulty, we do them despite the at times bad ramifications. A person who goes into a covenant with God can face much reward, can face a rewarding life, can face a rewarding afterlife, they can also face bad times, difficult times. And while we don't wish this, and we don't look for this, and we hope never to have it, and we pray to avoid it, we have to realize that our commitment is a commitment. And a commitment means whatever is thrown at us, we are committed to God. And that's what the Jewish people have done. And we hope that the Jewish people over our history have shown their commitment to God despite all the difficult things that have happened to us historically sufficiently for God to see our commitment. But we stand before God, before Rosh Hashanah, knowing that Adam la'amal yulad, man is here to work hard in this world, in our Jewish religious lives, 
this is not only about family dinners on Friday night, which are very nice. It's not only about an afterworld that promises us many rewards. It's about being committed to a rigorous life of commitment to God, whatever that may bring us. And that's what commitment is about. And on that note, we should just say that the same is true about our human commitments as well. Too much today do we see families that have been together for 20 years just come apart. Children, because of a lack of commitment, because of a lack of understanding what commitment is, because commitment isn't only that this marriage and this family will stay together because it's fun and it's great and it's rewarding, but because I'm committed to this person, I'm committed to the, my wife, I'm committed to my children, and that bears a responsibility. And that demands a commitment. And even when things aren't going so smoothly, we have to keep it together and know that we're committed to something. And that marriage and family life was not only about fun and games, but it was about something, it was about a commitment. It was about realizing that there are responsibilities in life, and we have to fulfill those responsibilities. And yes, there's not only a gloomy picture, there is a good picture. There are rewards in Judaism, there are brachot in Judaism, Yes, Shabbat is a beautiful thing. But we have to realize we cannot only be committed in our commitment to God and our willingness to be religious Jews to the rewarding part, the rewarding parts of Judaism. We have to realize that we have to be committed to God through thick and thin without being dramatic and talking about the bad parts of Jewish history, but even on our personal lives as well. When things don't go the way that we'd like them to go, as rewarding as we'd like them to be, whether in our professional lives, whether in the amount of money we'd like to be making and the amount of vacation time we'd like to have, we have to realize that what we're dedicated to is going to shul, is learning Torah, is supporting our families, raising them to be God-fearing people who daven, who learn Torah, who love God, who fear God, and that this is our role in the world. And if we have to work hard to achieve this, so be it. That's our role in the world. That's what we're here for. And on that note, Shabbat Shalom, and a refuah shlema as well, to a student of mine, Shai Menashe Ben Dalia, a young man who is battling an illness right now. So may this shir also be for his refuah shlema, and may he get through this illness and see better times as well. Shabbat Shalom.